Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. But let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we do week by week, to join us here this morning. And we trust that you are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I have to be careful about what I say up here. A preacher's words have power. And I don't mean that quite in the way you think I mean it. Um, I just mean that a preacher's words can get people to do stuff. And I probably don't even mean that in the way that you think I mean it. I just mean like in non-holy practical ways. I knew a preacher once in Florida who in the context of a sermon illustration casually mentioned that the roof of his house needed work and he woke up Monday morning to the sounds of a group of men from his congregation on his roof fixing it. Uh, A couple years ago, in fact, I had this happen to me. I uh, was telling a story in a sermon that included my undying love of Oreo cookies and that very afternoon, a giant Costco-sized box of Oreos showed up on my doorstep. So a preacher's words have power. So I have to be careful about what I say up here. But apropos of nothing, I still love Oreos. And my roof is leaking. <laughs> I'm just kidding, except about the Oreo part. Uh, but it's true that a preacher's words have power. And because my words up here have power, I mention only with great hesitation that I'm getting back into heavy metal music. Now, before you all run out to the store to get me a bunch of heavy metal albums, as though anybody goes to the store to buy albums anymore, I need to be clear that I don't really like the growly or screamy stuff. I sort of want to sing along to a song, even if it's heavier, or, you know, at least shout. Um, but, But I want to be clear with you that I consider it a parenting win that my kids think Phil Collins is really cool and uh, know all the lyrics to Hall & Oates, You Make My Dreams Come True. Um, But that said, when I'm alone these days, I find myself reaching for a little bit of heavier stuff. And one of the albums that I've been listening to recently is the first Audio Slave album. It's a sort of a super group formed from the musicians from Rage Against the Machines. There's some legit heavy cred there. And the lead singer from Soundgarden. There's like three people here right now who are like, yes, Audio Slave. Maybe two. Or maybe it's just me. Um, anyway, I've been listening to this album recently, and a couple lines from one of the songs have caught my ear in a way that they hadn't before. The song is called Show Me How to Live. And it's from the first Audio Slave album. And here are the lines. Nail in my head from my creator, you gave me life. Now show me how to live. You gave me life. Now show me how to live. Now we're going to get to our readings in a second, I promise, both of these really difficult readings from Jeremiah and from Luke. But this audio slave lyric, before we get there, reminded me of a headline a few months ago 
on uh, the Christian satirical news website, the Babylon Bee. And here is that headline. Man sitting literally three feet away from the Bible asks God to speak to him. According to sources, local man Steve Harrison fervently prayed Thursday that the Lord would speak to him and make his will for the man's life clear, all while sitting literally three feet away from God's word as revealed in the Bible. Father God, if you would just speak to me, Harrison prayed, as God's prophetic word made more sure sat just on the other end of the table where he was seated. If you would just show me your plan for my life and just reveal your truth to me, he continued, somehow missing the fact that God's truth had already been perfectly revealed to him in the scriptures. I just really need you to speak to me personally, Lord. At publishing time, sources had confirmed that a frustrated Harrison eventually gave up on trying to hear God's words and resigned himself to just reading the Bible instead. Audio Slave said, You gave me life, now show me how to live. We have the Bible. The lyricist from Audio Slave needs to go look on his parents' bookshelf. God has, in fact, shown us how to live. And now we turn to Jeremiah's prophecy. Listen to these words that Jeremiah is speaking prophetically, in other words, truths to the people on behalf of God. Here's Jeremiah. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long? Will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back? Those who prophesy lies, who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, they plan to make people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, just as their ancestors forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. Let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. So there's a lot of things going on in this reading, and I want to break them down really quickly into three parts. First, we have good news, then we have bad news, and then we have good news again. Perhaps you're recognizing the pattern here. Now, first, the good news, though, God has spoken to us. This is good news. He is not far off, he says. He is nearby. We do not have an absentee God who created us and then did not show us how to live. He fills the heavens and the earth and His Word will be faithfully proclaimed. This is good news. God has spoken to us. The fact that He has revealed Himself to us, the fact that He created us at all is wonderful good news. But then, Jeremiah is not finished. And the next part doesn't sound like good news at all. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Okay, 
So we seem to be getting into the bad news now. Fire and a hammer breaking rocks. And I don't know if you caught it, this bad news, but this bad news and this same fire, in fact, is on full display in our reading from Luke 12, in which Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. These are difficult words from Jesus. This is not the Jesus that we're used to hearing. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And then he goes through the divisions about households being divided amongst themselves. Three against two, two against three. Fathers against sons, mothers against daughters, daughters-in-laws and mothers-in-laws. He says, do you think I came to bring peace to the earth? We would all say, yes, that is in fact what we thought. And he says, no, I tell you, but rather division. So what is happening here? This is not what people think of when they think of what Jesus came to do. Isn't Jesus a bringer of peace and comfort? Isn't his mission to create something like unity? In fact, in John 17, Jesus himself prays to his father that all of his people would be one. So what is he talking about here with all of this division? Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Well, listen, this is the kind of division that happens when the truth is proclaimed. When somebody says something and then says, this is the truth, division happens. Yes and no. I believe it. I don't. And so it makes sense that as the truth, remember Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It makes sense that as the truth, Jesus comes to divide. Indeed, that's what the Word does. Hebrews says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews echoes Jeremiah. No creature is hidden. From his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word at work, proclaiming the truth and dividing those who believe it from those who don't. Yes, God has spoken, and Jesus is his word. But the word is true and therefore divides those who believe it from those who do not. In the beginning, God created. Do you believe that? Yes or no? Division. He created them male and female. Division. A man shall leave his family, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Do you believe that? Division. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Do you believe that? Division. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Do you believe that? Division. And what does God have to say to these divisions? Well, he speaks to them through this difficult reading that his prophet Jeremiah gives. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long, he says, will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back? Those who prophesy lies and who prophesied the deceit of their own hearts. They plan to make people forget my name. So let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. Let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. A lying prophet's dream might be beautiful, but it is not God's word. God has spoken. His word is given to us in the scriptures, and we are to put ourselves under it. We are to submit ourselves to it. God, our creator, has, in fact, shown us how to live. So, we have good news. God has spoken. He is nearby. He has shown us how to live. He is not far away. But, of course, this leads to bad news. He has told us things that constrain us. He is watching me all the time. He knows the sinful inclinations of my heart. His word has cut me to the core. Piercing, says Hebrews, to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of my heart. I wish no one could see my heart, and the fact that Almighty God can is bad news indeed. Because the Bible makes claims on us. You are not your own, it says. You are in need of redemption, it says. And that news, that truth, hurts. But submission to the Word of God is a two-edged sword, yes, that first edge will cut, and it cuts deep. But the second edge brings the good news right back around again. In John 4, Jesus finds himself at a well in the middle of the day with a Samaritan woman. She's an outcast, which is why she's at the well in the heat of the day when no one else would be there. She doesn't want to see anybody. And Jesus tells her, that the well water will sate her thirst only momentarily. That soon enough she'll have to come back to get water again and again and again because this water will just eventually leave her thirsty. But he says, he has water that will satisfy her forever. Living water, bubbling up, he says, to eternal life. But then they have this conversation about her sex life because... God has spoken. He has shown us how to live. And this woman 
is in violation. She's a sinner. She's had five husbands, and the man she's living with now is not her husband. And Jesus knows it. The word has pierced this woman's life, discerning the thoughts and intentions of her heart. Jesus, the word who was with God and who is God, has seen deep into this woman's heart and knows the truth about her sin. But it is to this woman that Jesus has offered living water that will satisfy her forever. Eternal life. And so she runs back to her town and tells everyone she can find, come and meet a man who... What? She doesn't lead with who offered me living water. She says, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Who saw me. Who saw into my heart. Come and meet this man. Come and meet the man of God. The word who wields a two-edged sword. He cut me deeply. He knows the sin of my heart. And yet he offered me eternity. In the face of it. Eternal salvation and eternal forgiveness for sinners. This is the good news for you this morning. The Bible is good news. Almighty God has deigned to speak to you. He has created you and then told you how to live. But it's bad news too. Because it's true and holy and it cuts to the core of sinful people. He has told you how to live and he knows the truth about you. You have lived for yourself and not for him. But then it is good news with a capital G and capital And it is the story of Jesus, the Word of God, offering sinners new life, offering His righteousness for your sins, refreshment for your soul that will never leave you thirsty again. He is your Creator. And He has shown you how to live. And then He came to earth. And actually lived that life of righteousness. And gave that accomplishment to you, a sinner, on his account. And by his life, you are saved. Amen.